0: My friends, self awareness is a terribly, terribly elusive thing. In fact, I cannot think of a virtue that is more difficult to acquire in this life than self awareness. And it seems to me, not to sound too judgy here, that most people these days never actually acquire it, never actually become self aware. Like many other kids who grew up in the late 80s and the early 90s, I was obsessed with those old G.I. Joe cartoons. And every episode ended with a public service announcement that always went something like this. It's a scene where there's a group of kids, they're hanging out, and they're doing something that's either really stupid or really dangerous or a good combination of both. And then right before disaster strikes, a G.I. Joe swoops in and saves the day, saves the house from being burnt down, or like saves the kids from the burning house, right? And then that G.I. Joe who saved the day takes the time out of their busy schedule to teach those kids how to not be so stupid and dangerous anymore, how they can be more self-aware going forward. Now, from those public service announcements, I learned valuable life lessons. Life lessons like this. Like if I come across a downed electrical wire from a power line, I definitely shouldn't try to ramp my bike over it, right? Or else something bad will happen. Or if I play with matches, or if I try to fry a steak without adult supervision, I might burn my grandma's house down. Or if I come across an abandoned refrigerator in the middle of a junkyard, as every pre-adolescent boy does at some point in his life, apparently, (laughs) I definitely shouldn't lock my little brother in it. These public service announcements, they always ended with these words, and even if you haven't ever seen the show, I am sure you can probably quote them from memory. Now you know... And knowing is half the battle. The problem is, these days, whenever it comes to self awareness, most of us don't know. Therefore, we don't even know how to begin the battle. My friends, if the book of Jonah could be summed up, it would best be summed up in these words. Self-awareness is a terribly, terribly elusive thing. Come and see for yourself just how elusive it is. Now, many of us learned about Jonah in Sunday school growing up, right? That's probably the last time we actually seriously read Jonah was whenever we were kids, And what we probably remember most about the story is about how Jonah was swallowed whole by a whale. And while he was in the belly of that whale, he wrote beautiful poetry, as one does when one finds oneself in the bowels of an aquatic animal. And then after his three-day-long poetry slam session with the plankton came to an end, the whale vomited Jonah up onto dry land. Now, several of us here might also recall the time when Jesus used the story of Jonah and the whale as a metaphor for his own resurrection. Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a whale, so too the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. We might also know that the story of Jonah has something to do with him not wanting to go to a place called Nineveh. But what most of us probably don't know is that this whole story about Jonah and the fish, it's so much more than a mere children's story. The book of Jonah is actually one long joke that takes four chapters to get to the punchline. But once you make it to the punchline, my friends, you realize how brilliant the joke is. More accurately, the book of Jonah is satire. Now, if you don't know what satire is, think of Tina Fey impersonating Sarah Palin, or Will Ferrell doing his George W. Bush impression, or Alec Baldwin as Donald Trump. That's satire. Satire is, according to our overlords at Google, the use of humor, irony, exaggeration, or ridicule to expose and to criticize people's stupidity. So yes, the author of the book of Jonah is using humor, irony, exaggeration, and ridicule to expose and to criticize someone's stupidity. The question, of course, is whose? Whose stupidity? Who is it that this story is both exposing and criticizing? In other words, Who is Jonah a satire of? But before we can answer that question, we have to address another important issue, and it's this. If you and I were to take this story about Jonah literally, like your evangelical cousins do, and we try to make the argument that, like, a whale shark could technically, technically swallow an adult man and that that adult man could technically survive in a whale's stomach for three days and three nights, we will completely miss the punchline of the joke. We'll miss the gist of the whole story. It's important to remember, my friends, just as Tina Fey isn't really Sarah Palin, and just as Will Ferrell isn't really George W., even though he probably would have done a much better job running the country, <laughs> so too. Jonah isn't really a historical story. It's not a literal historical account. But listen to this. Just because Tina Fey isn't really Sarah Palin, and just because Alec Baldwin isn't really Donald Trump, this doesn't mean that these comedians aren't conveying a very important truth through their satire. The same holds true for Jonah. Now, if you don't remember the whole story, it goes like this. God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh to let the Ninevites know that they are long overdue for a good smiting. But Jonah doesn't go to Nineveh. He heads to Tarshish instead, which that has to be the most fun word in the whole Bible to say, Tarshish. Tarshish, you can say it. I'll give you a couple seconds. Just get it out of your system. Tarshish. (laughs) That's where Jonah heads to. He doesn't go to Nineveh. He heads towards Tarshish. Why? Because Jonah hates the Ninevites. That's why. The Ninevites ended up becoming one of Israel's greatest enemies. And Jonah personally believed that they were so blasphemous that they were totally beyond redemption. So, like, why warn those stupid pagans of Nineveh of God's impending wrath? They're so wicked, they won't listen to Jonah anyways, so, like, why not let them just get smited? The world would be better off without people like the Ninevites, anyhow, right? And why not go to the classy pagans in Tarshish instead? You know, pagans who are less barbaric and more deserving of God's grace. Makes sense. But while Jonah is on the boat to Tarshish, God basically sends a hurricane to stop him in his tracks. And Jonah knows what's what. And so he instructs the captain to throw him overboard. Once overboard, the storm immediately calms down, but then the whale enters the scene and makes a happy meal out of poor Jonah. Then after three days, the whale spews Jonah up onto the beach, and that's where our reading for today picks up. On that beach, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, Jonah, take your poetry, go to Nineveh, that great city, And proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk to get across it. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out forty days more and Nineveh shall be smited. Now I we all we all know what Jonah is still thinking, right? Like, we know what's still going through his mind. Yes, he's technically obeying God's command, but we know what he's thinking. He's still thinking, these damn Ninevites are too sadistic. They're too far gone. They're too depraved. They'll never change. They'll never listen. They will never, ever get right with God. <laughs> but how does the story end? What ends up happening what happens is the people of Nineveh, you know, those gross barbarians, they immediately take Jonah at his word. No argument, no debate, no questions asked. And they proclaim a fast. And every person, great and small, they all put on sackcloth as a sign of remorse and repentance. Now, our lectionary for today, unfortunately, it skips over the next five verses And it jumps straight to verse 10, leaving out the funniest part of this entire story. What happens in those missing verses, you ask? I will tell you. (laughs) The king of Nineveh gets word. Emphasize he gets word. He doesn't see Jonah. He doesn't meet Jonah. He doesn't hear Jonah's message firsthand. Nonetheless, he gets word of Jonah's message, and he immediately comes down off his throne, takes off his royal robes, covers himself in sackcloth, and like plops down in the dust and weeps. And he begs God to spare both his life and his people's lives. And he feels sorry for all of his wickedness. But that's not the best part yet. (laughs) The best part is what happens next. What happens next is even the cows and the sheep repent of their sins. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. Can cows and sheep sin? The answer, my friends, is no. (laughs) No, they cannot. (laughs) But they repent nonetheless. So picture it. Along with the king and all of the human beings of Nineveh, The animals, the herds, and the flocks, they also fast. They also cover themselves in sackcloth and repent. Now remember, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because in his mind, the whole region of Nineveh was so evil that it would never be able to turn things around. But what happens Before Jonah can even get all of the words out of his mouth, the whole city is so shaken to its core that the king repents before he's even had a chance to hear Jonah's message firsthand. The city is so shaken with remorse that even the freaking cows repent. (laughs) Like, that's funny. But we haven't made it to the punchline of the joke just yet, my friends. In the end, we hear that God spares the city of Nineveh. And in the final sentences of the story, we encounter the punchline, finally. But most people never get the joke. They never actually see the satire for what it is. Again, my friends, self-awareness is a terribly, terribly elusive thing. So the story ends with a pouty, pissed off Jonah. He still believes that the Ninevites should have been wiped off the face of the planet. And so he cries out, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. In other words, he's literally saying, God, I would prefer death over seeing the Ninevite people spared. Give me genocide, God. Give me the genocide of those stupid Ninevites or kill me. My life or theirs, Lord. Question for you. How do you find yourself reacting to Jonah in this moment? What's going through your head right now? Are you not thinking something along these lines? My God, what a pouty, overgrown man-child. Like, what a complete jerk Jonah is. What a depraved, blasphemous, hard-hearted, spiteful, hateful person Jonah is. (laughs) Do you get the punchline yet, my friends? Do you see how the author of this story has lured you in to the story itself? For right here, at the very end of Jonah's story, the entire plot twists, not just one time, but two times. And if you get this reference, maybe it'll be helpful. The story of Jonah is like an M. Night Shyamalan movie within another M. Night Shyamalan movie, not just one big twist, but two. So not only does Bruce Willis discover that he's been dead this whole time, but you actually discover that you have been the dead Bruce Willis this whole time. The story of Jonah, it ends with us discovering that it's not the depraved Ninevites and their penitent cows that the world would be better off without, right? It's people like Jonah that the world would be better off without. Do you agree But with that very thought, with that very agreement, the plot twists yet again. And you discover that you now have become the butt of the joke. For the moment we start to judge and to dismiss Jonah in the same way that he judged and dismissed the Ninevites, you and I discover that we are the Jonah. Of this story. What are we thinking? Why not answer Jonah's prayer, Lord? He wants to die. I say, give him some death. Go ahead and smite him. The world would be better off without people like him, anyways. He is so hateful, so spiteful, and so depraved that he didn't listen to you when you first called him. And he clearly didn't take it to heart the second time you called him. And he still, now that we're at the end of the story, isn't listening to you now any more than he was at the beginning. He is so warped that he will never get right with you, Lord. Worst of all, he prefers genocide over grace. Go ahead, God. Smite him. In a brilliant move, the author of the book of Jonah has made a satire of us. What Tina Fey is to Sarah Palin and what Will Ferrell is to George W. Bush and what Alec Baldwin is to Donald Trump, Jonah is to us. The story of Jonah is not about a guy named Jonah. It's about you and I and how quick we are to judge other people without even knowing it, without even being aware that we're doing it. Again, self-awareness is a terribly, terribly elusive thing, is it not? Well, now you know, and knowing is half the battle. So come now, let us go to Nineveh together.